You're listening to The Novice Experience, a podcast that explores the opportunities and challenges commonly encountered by students and young people. I'm Calvin Chan, and chatting with my guests, I'm going to take a deep dive into their meaningful stories, the lessons they've learned, and how they can inspire others. Let's get going. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Novice Experience. I'm your host, Calvin Chan. Today, I'm so happy to have my longtime friend, Adrian Chang, here as my guest. He graduated with a Bachelor of Kinesiology from the University of British Columbia and is currently studying the Master of Physical Therapy program at UBC. Uh, Passionate about rehabilitation science and physical activity, he is also an experienced lifeguard, swimming instructor, and outdoor enthusiast. So Adrian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Calvin. So glad to be here. How have you been? I know that, you know, COVID-19 has been, you know, a really tough time for a lot of people, but obviously, you know, you you finished your bachelor's degree, uh, you're, you're moving on to your master's um, in, you know, physical therapy. I know that sports and, you know, being active and health in general is a passion of yours. Um, so how has it been for you? At first, it was definitely really challenging when COVID first hit. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a lot of different activities that you wished you could do, but you can no longer do. But I think in a lot of ways, it also allowed us to like try a lot of new things, things we haven't done before. And it really helped sort of accelerate the progression of our schooling as well. Mm-hmm. You know, before we were in class and, and we would spend a lot of time, uh, you know, either in lectures or in our in-person labs, because, you know, physio is a very hands-on profession. And so we need a lot of lab time, but there's a lot of theory behind it as well. But yeah, ever since COVID, I actually found the schooling to really sort of evolve and innovate to where we sort of have like a hybrid model now, which is pretty awesome, where That's we cool. have like a lot of our theory courses online and any in-person classes are still held like in person at UBC. And obviously there's a lot of like sanitation measures like put into place, but having that model, I think going forward is just going to help people because we have people trekking from around the lower mainland mm-hmm. to get to, to UBC. And so reducing time for people and just having more time to study on your own and um, and having that sort of model has been like really helpful. And in terms of a, uh, like from an exercise perspective, like personally, like it's, it's, it's allowed me to try a lot of new things in terms of like hobbies of mine that I always wanted to pursue. But, you know, like as school sort of came back, you're back to hitting the book. So that's what I'm still doing right now. That's really cool. And we'll get into like your program some more, right? And for those who are interested in physiotherapy or kinesiology, um, I I know that you can shed some light on um, what you think of the program and how it's evolved and how, you know, young people can prepare themselves for um, going into these programs. But first, I'd like to ask um, all my guests to start with an origin story. Um, So, you know, where you're born, where you're from, uh, some of the most defining moments of your life that make up who you are today. Yeah, so in terms of where I'm from, I'm I'm from uh, Richmond, BC. I'm currently living out in uh, Burnaby right now, uh, which is just, uh, you know, east of Vancouver. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just born and raised in Richmond, went to school with you, Calvin, all the way back in elementary. Yes. And then... uh, and then we, you know, just went through, uh, through Stephen London secondary, and then just went, uh, into the UBC bachelor's program at Kin. And in terms of where it all sort of started for me and sort of finding that passion, you know, most, most physios often come with that athletic background already kind of built in. 
So growing up, it was just basketball, basketball, basketball. Yeah. Every single day, every lunch, through the puddles, falling on the yeah. ground. We played a lot together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, like it was still like that up until like high school. Then that's where I sort of transitioned into uh, basketball. I mean, volleyball a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So through the athletic background, that was always something that was like really there. But in terms of how it sort of led to physio itself, my uncle got me this like anatomy book way back. Um, he's currently a doctor now, but mm-hmm. he wasn't a doctor then when he gave me the book. But he just gave me the, this, this anatomy book when I was like in grade three or four. And I just loved reading it. And I just I remember going to Science World. Uh, they had like that large human body exhibit. Yes. I think during like a school field trip. And that's where I just continued to just fall in love with learning about the human body. And I remember that exhibit like, where all the yeah. organs popped out and you had to uh, piece it all back together on, on, the, yeah. on the body. Yeah. <laughs> that's honestly one of some of the coolest exhibits I've ever seen, especially the nervous system one. Yeah. Where they take apart the body and show like either the arteries or just the veins or the nerves that run through the body. It's just insane. And I just seeing that it's, it's so impressive. And yeah, that's definitely what really brought it together. It was athletic background that love for understanding the human body and how it, and how it moves. And then that just perfectly meshed with physio. Right. So, yeah. That's why I'm doing it. And, how it all started. and we'll get into that even more. Um, you know, how you all started. Um, I like to do a segment called give me five, which is sort of a lightning round of questions. So our listeners get to know you better. Yeah, um, so, good. you know, you can, you don't, there's no right or wrong answer. You can, you can elaborate. You don't have to explain. Uh, it's really up to you. Um, but the first question is, um, if you could have a gift worth any amount, what would it be? A gift worth any amount? Mm-hmm. What would it be? It could be something not physical, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. I think Anything. a gift that I would really love to have is, I think the gift of, of empathy. Mm-hmm. I would say the gift of empathy. I think that's something that's really needed right now nowadays. And like, I think it's something that I constantly try to practice, but I think through like the relationships that I, you know, from my family or my girlfriend or just in life, like, you know, there's always moments where you realize like you're not as disciplined as you thought you were, or you weren't Mm -hmm. as gracious as you thought you were, or you weren't as patient as you thought you were. And it's really humbling when, you know, you're put in a position where you really need to practice that and understand where other people are coming from. So I think that's something that right now, right now, like at this point in my life, I would love to have that gift of just empathizing with others and just continuing to show like grace and understanding to to the people around me, the people that are most closest to me. Yeah. I love that answer. I really do because, um, you know, obviously it's a really challenging time, like we said earlier. And, um, you know, people deal with a lot of mental challenges now. It's not, it's not just, you know, physical challenges or um, simple well-being. It's the mental uh, well-being. So, um, you know, just being kind and understanding to each other is super important. I, I totally agree with you. Um, second question, if you could relive one experience in your life, what would it be? <laughs> There's a lot of choose say, from me. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Okay, yeah. Well, it's a speed round. So I would say it would be the first date with my girlfriend. Wow. That was a fun day. Yeah. 
That was exciting. What did you guys do? <laughs> we went to the aquarium. Oh, nice. It hasn't closed yet, right? The aquarium? I heard they were... No, no. They're yeah, surviving. They're, they're, still, they're surviving. They're still surviving. Okay, that's good. That's good. I made a small donation. I'm still there a student. There you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, just to kind of hopefully they they can stay afloat. Yeah. <laughs> but we went to the aquarium. That's awesome. Day. That's awesome. What is the thing you're most afraid of? Most afraid of? I think I think that would be most afraid of. Amy says that I'm not afraid of much in terms of like the physical stuff, but I think definitely things that I might be afraid I'm afraid about is is uh is I always had this this uh this fear of like just one day like I might lose like a family member. <laughs> right. Right. I don't and- know, like sometimes it's like when your your family get in trouble. Like for some reason it just it just makes me so anxious. Yeah. yeah. So I would say that would be my, my biggest fear. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, not even just like losing a family member, but maybe one day someone really close to you, they have no recollection of you, you know, no memory or whatsoever. And, you know, that's something that's really scary too. You know, I feel like a relationship is bound by memories and experiences together. And when one person, especially when someone gets old and they don't remember any of that with you anymore, it's sort of like, well, is that relationship still, you know, alive, right? Like it, it's yeah. really hard. It's really hard. Um, yeah. Fourth question. What store do you shop at the most? Store I shop at the most. Yeah. Does Amazon count now or is that? <laughs> right, right. Because over COVID. <laughs> yeah, sure. Amazon. That's a good Amazon answer. Amazon <laughs> is what I've been using post-COVID for sure. Yeah, yeah. Amazon. I guess it's not. Yeah. Um, last question. What sport would you make your kids learn in the future and why? Volleyball. Volleyball? Because if they have my body type, which is like tall and lanky, yeah, that would fit the volleyball type. <laughs> but if they want to pick up any sport, obviously I'll encourage them to do that. But yeah. I just think it's a sport that they can definitely pick up. Although it's hard to pick up when you're young, I have to admit. So I may have to let them pick up stuff, but I yeah. want them to play volleyball. Definitely. You know what? That's an issue, right? Like, um, you know, I, I'd make my kids learn hockey because I love watching it so much, but I missed that time when I was younger to learn how to play. So um, it's sort of selfish of me to, to put them in the sport <laughs> and because it's so expensive too, right? So, um, mm. but anyway, yeah. yeah, for sure. Like, um, you know, any, any team sport I think would be good. Yeah. Like I, instead of a solo sport, although there's nothing wrong with that, I, I do want my kids to be in a team sport to start yeah. off. You're going to be such a sick hockey dad then. like if you're gonna live your dreams through your oh, kids geez. <laughs> i can be passionate over there i can barely wake up early adrian so i don't think i can drive them to the rink before school oh, yeah morning <laughs> practices and stuff exactly it's like oh so no, no we're skipping practice today <laughs> <laughs> just trying okay. to live close to the rink hopefully yeah exactly right um yeah Great. So let's let's get into a bit more of our conversation. Um, obviously, you graduated from kinesiology, like we said, and you're into your MPT program, Master of Physical Therapy. Um, what started this? Um, you know, what inspired you to go into this field? Um, you said you were athletic, but there's so much more to to study in kinesiology, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of the experiences back then when you were younger? that uh, made you really say, hey, like, not only am I passionate about this, but I, I want to do this as a career? Mm-hmm. Like, I think in terms of 
understanding what it is and why I wanted to pursue it. You know, there are many times where I've personally felt that um, me as an athlete, we're so fortunate to have uh, almost like injuries that are very like what we call like musculoskeletal in nature. Mm-hmm. So whether it be like in ACL, meniscal, you know, ATFL, which is like the most commonly sprained like ligament in your ankle, um, you know, a lot of those injuries are they they occur and and you know in most cases they were able to make a pretty good recovery with like a proper rehab program. But it was when I started diving into physio and learning about the areas of physio that touched upon people's lives that made such a big difference outside of the musculoskeletal that's when I really got curious of wow like this is a profession that I can really get into and and really support people that like really need the help Mm -hmm. you know even though I I was like athlete myself and I love working with like athletic populations I was really drawn as well to working with people with a lot of like chronic conditions okay so people with like spinal cord injury so Mm -hmm. when I was in bachelor's I worked at I-Cord yeah, which is the Spinal Cord Research Center down near uh, Vancouver General, and yes. working with that population uh, was just such was so uh, like um, eye opening for mm-hmm. what the type of work we can work with in terms of uh, helping them with their recovery and helping them with their function, and and so that's what I said really started driving my interest was that once I started learning about all these different things that physio can help with in terms of helping people that are really in need of a lot of care. Yeah. And then as I went through, you know, university, there was a lot of different experiences through work, through school, through volunteer opportunities, all that just kind of played. And I, and I, and I had a lot of exposure to people across populations. So people with stroke, people with spinal cord injury. Um, I worked as a rehab assistant and we'll talk a lot of worked with a lot of kids with autism. Wow. And so just seeing how, like, seeing how, seeing these different populations outside of the typical, should you say, athletic population right. was something that, like, really, really got my interest and really made me want to pursue this as a career. Um, obviously, you're, you're a student and you're really new to the field. There's lots to learn. Um, what has been some of the biggest challenges for you? Because, um, you, you know, you're dealing with people that are, um, really unfortunate they have these like, um, you know, chronic pain and these really serious injuries or conditions. Um, it, it requires a lot of attention and care and expertise in the field. Um, what are some of the challenges that um, you've encountered um, in these situations and how have you tried to uh, adapt to that situation? Well, unfortunately, due to COVID, our opportunities go on placement were pushed back. And so um, I want to continue to get more clinical experience as I finished off my uh, my master's degree in physio. But I will say that like during my uh, first clinical placement that I had, in terms of some of the challenges I felt, it it was really hard seeing um, patients go through our healthcare system and seeing them uh, treated in a way that may not have optimized their care because of the because of the result of the pandemic or, or the fact that there wasn't enough hospital beds. And so a primary focus in most hospitals currently right now is revolving around discharge where we, you know, we, we, we try to prepare mm-hmm. patients for the 
purpose of discharging them. Um, and not because it's, it's almost like inhumane in a way, or we're not trying to look after them, but there is a, there is, there is a, a strong strain on the fit on the physios in that area too, because yeah. of, you know, it being understaffed and bed availability that they have to manage, not just a daily caseload, but a weekly, a weekly caseload. And, you know, there's other patients coming in from other hospitals because other hospitals don't have room. And so we're always trying to, you know, to fit people in. And during that time, it was definitely eye-opening in terms of how I can provide the best care I can within those type of constraints. So I would say that was the biggest challenge when, when, when really working in the field. In terms of the studies, it's just a lot of material. <laughs> For sure. It's <laughs> just yeah. so much to learn. I mean, you're and, learning about and, the human and, body. And, yeah. Yeah. There's just always something new every day and you feel like you can barely catch up on what you learned the day before. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what it's like in school. I wanted to follow up on the uh, methodology behind discharge. Um, yeah. When, when, when do you deem a patient, you know, as ready for discharge? Obviously there's a, you know, you're helping people and it's about all about healthcare, but at the end of the mm -hmm. day, there's still a business end to it, right? There there's costs, there's resources, there's time involved. Um, is there a specific methodology that you guys use um, to deem whether a patient's ready for discharge? Yeah. So there's a lot of different, uh, let's say discharge criteria okay. for a particular patient and each healthcare professional plays a role in fulfilling certain criteria. So under the physio umbrella, some of the things that would matter for discharge would be uh, ensuring uh, that they have any sort of equipment aids that they uh, require. Mm -hmm. So if they need any sort of uh, gate aids, such as like a walker or a cane, um, that they've been able to go to the Red Cross to obtain that equipment. Mm -hmm. um, or, so, or we have them, or we fill it out for them just to make sure that when they do leave the hospital, they have a chance to use that while they continue their recovery. Another one would be, you know, making sure that they have uh, the resources, the exercises that they can perform mm -hmm. um, while they're in the hospital, but also after they leave the hospital um, so that they can continue the rehab. And do you and work with other one, yeah. professionals um, that help help you, like they collaborate with you to help the patient in, the, in those areas? So I'm thinking of like occupational therapists or recreational therapists um, to, to, you know, come up with this plan together with the physiotherapists for discharge? Yeah. So we have more of a rehab team. We work very okay. closely with a rehab team. So it would primarily consist of a rehab assistant, an occupational therapist, mm -hmm. or the speech language pathologist. Right. But we're always talking to the nurses and doctors in the unit as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, cool. it's a big, it's a pretty big team. Yeah, that for sure. Like it's all, it's a team effort um, um, to help uh, a patient. Um, I'm interested in what kind of interpersonal skills that you think have been the most important when you're, you know, you're so client facing, right? Um, yeah. Are are these skills um, learned on the job? Have did you have these skills when you were younger, going into kinesiology? What are some of the skills that surprised you, right? Like you didn't know you needed um, before you entered the job. Mm -hmm. I would say that one perhaps stereotype of physios is that they're very extroverted in nature because of how outgoing or outdoorsy yeah. and athletic they all are. That's but, true. And, and that, and that can definitely open people up to being better communicators. Mm -hmm. But I would say the skill that's most important is being a listener. And that's not something that 
introverted or extroverted people may have developed because it takes it takes a lot of practice i feel to to know how to listen to someone and really come to understand them and understand what their needs are and what are they looking for and so that you can better know how to help them i think under knowing how to listen and knowing how to empathize and and understand where someone's coming from that's the biggest interpersonal skill and that's learned through everyday life mm-hmm. it's hard to learn in a course I think to me, it's learned through everyday life. It's how you interact with your family, or when you're when you when you're growing up, your family is the closest one. It's how you interact with friends, and then it's like teachers, and yeah. then it's like coworkers and colleagues, and 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 that's and that's how it's developed. Um, in your opinion, what counts as a good listener? You know, we we hear that term a lot at school, right? You got to be a good listener in class. You got to listen to your classmates. Um, but I feel like there's there's a spectrum of what being a good listener means. So in your in your area of expertise, um, what what do you need to do to be a good listener? I think to be a good listener, some of the things you need to understand is uh, some practical things you need to be able to do is to be able to, oh first, you know, be able to ask open ended questions that mm-hmm. allow someone to tell them their story. So that's something that you can start by practicing. It's not by asking yes or no questions, but by asking open, open-ended questions that allow them to spill out their story and, right. and knowing how to actually keep quiet and show that you're listening and, and affirm them that you're with them on this ride. You know, Because mm-hmm. especially in physio, people can come in with a lot of chronic pain and a lot of history, and you may be the first person that they have the chance to talk to. Because in a doctor's appointment, you may only have 15 minutes with the doctor. Yeah. But in an initial with a physio, you know, you may get 45 minutes. So, you know, and so that that's a, it's really a chance for them to voice out what their story is and understand where they're coming from. So from a more practical perspective, perspective let's say it's, you know, asking open-ended questions, mm-hmm. affirming them on their journey, um, not trying to interrupt what they say and chiming in, but more so maybe asking clarifying questions and 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 even just repeating what they say shows that you're listening and it may lead them to want to tell you more and you know right. build that trust and, and that rapport with the, with the client i i love that you use those buzzwords like trust and rapport and relationship right and it really reminds me of what i study right i i'm in the engineering field um obviously i'm more uh on a technical side and you're more like client facing healthcare and so on. But I see a lot of parallel in what we do because um, for like an engineer who does consulting work and they do design work, um, they also need to be a good listener um, to understand what the client's needs are. Right. Sometimes Mm -hmm. the clients, when they say they don't, sometimes they might not know directly uh, what they actually need. Um, They Mm -hmm. might say, you know, holding this mug um, is causing a lot of pain in my wrist. Mm-hmm. But what does the engineer right. need to do to um, design a better mug, right? That doesn't come right. from the client. The client just says, you know, my wrist is hurting. So I think part of, there's a parallel in our profession where um, not only we, do we have to, you know, take in the information, but we need, we need to know how to decode it, right? We need to understand how um, we can apply our expertise to it and um, analyze it in a way where it's, it brings value to the client. 
And I think that's so cool because we, we study totally different things, but um, in yeah. a way, our process of thinking and doing things and problem solving are so similar. Um, mm-hmm. did, you, did you need to learn that at school? Could you tell us a little bit more of uh, you know, the, the program in kinesiology or what you're studying right now in physiotherapy? What are the classes like? Do you, do you learn how to um, you know, be a good listener, um, understand needs of your clients? I think that it's something that's, you know, something that we're, we're told is important, but mm-hmm. in terms of how to practice it, it's really hard to learn in school. I would say during my bachelor's, I didn't get any of that sort of training, but I would say I did get it through work experience. So whether it was through working at i you know, speaking with uh, study participants or just in lifeguarding, um, mm-hmm. that's where I got a lot of that sort of even just like initial conversations regarding uh, mm-hmm. how to communicate with someone. And then in physio, that's when, uh, you know, we did have uh, a week where we really practice like our interviewing skills mm-hmm. uh, in order to better understand and how to get the information that we're looking for, but give them the opportunity to say what they, they feel and say what they, uh, what, how they're doing and how they're functioning. And so that's something that is, is built into the program. But I will say that a lot of those skills also are learned on the job mm-hmm. and are actually looked out for even the interviewing process to get into the program. So it sounds like yeah. so it sounds like work experience is really important. Yeah, for sure. Just like co-op uh, or internships. Exactly. Just getting out there and, and working directly with them. And a mm-hmm. lot of physios do have previous experience working with clients, either as kinesiologists or working in a clinic mm-hmm. or in research. Um, but, you know, learning how to do that as a physio, just, it, you really got to get in there, got to yeah. get in there and get dirty. Yeah. <laughs> get dirty. Um, I know that kinesiology is such a popular program, right? It's so competitive uh, during, you know, the university application season. Um, but for someone who's like new to all of this, um, maybe they they hear it from friends and counselors about the program. What's one biggest misconception of, you know, kinesiology and physiotherapy that students uh, should understand uh, when they're applying? I'd say the biggest misconception about physio is, you know, there, the, when I got into physio, there were so many, there were still so many aspects of physio that I did not realize we had uh, mm. expertise in. So a lot of physios come in, you know, seeing physios that they worked with in the clinic. Right. Um, because uh, because we're quite young, we don't really have a lot of chronic diseases yet for most for most young people. Right. And so and so we're not we're not exposed to the profession and and uh, and the profession in terms of the physios that are working with elderly populations or working with people with chronic conditions. Mm-hmm. So I'd say one of the biggest misconceptions about physio is the type of th- skills you'll be learning because there'll be some skills you didn't even realize you would need to learn if you're if you're uh, if your idea of physio was working in a private, primarily orthopedic clinic. Yeah. And then in terms of kinesiology, um, I would say one of the biggest misconceptions is that, uh, is that it's all about, you know, like sports, sports, sports <laughs> still. <laughs> and uh, yeah. there, there's, and there's, there's a lot of, uh, let's say, biomechanical or anatomical courses that you mm-hmm, can take in mm-hmm. kin. But there's a lot of, uh, kin courses that also branch into different areas such as like sports psychology sports sociology and so and or marketing in sports 
yeah. and or just different courses are available to you. Although it's primarily still, I would say, you know, mainly very biological and anatomical in nature for most courses, but there's definitely courses that you can take in those other areas. If that if that's what interests you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, I think it, in today's society, people in general, I, I think because of more access to, you know, social media and online resources, people are more, are more aware of, um, health, right. And well-being, mm-hmm. um, and people understand the benefits of exercising and, um, you know, taking care of yourself in general. And even in the professional world, um, I think athletes know a lot more of how to, um, you know, better condition themselves, um, uh, have better nutrition and in, at the end, um, increase their performance in whatever sport they play. So I feel like in society, we value a lot of that, um, the sport and the data and the science behind it. And um, my question is, you know, obviously you're still young and you're a student, but how do you think um, what you're learning has evolved, um, you know, since, you know, decades ago? And part two of the question is how, how do you expect it to continue evolving, um, you know, as we go on and as technology and um, research gets better? Yeah, so I think physio has made a lot of progression. There's, there's so much new research that comes out. Yeah, that really informs our decision making. Um, and so, you know, there's previously there were times where uh, if you had sort of a surgery in your knee, let's just keep it basic, a lot of them got a cast that went up to your hip. And wow. so it was a cast that you got to keep on, on up into your hip and you had it for you know, like probably a one month. And so that was what some of my professors told me they were taught that when they were in the in the physio program. And that would probably be like in like maybe like just 30 years ago. Yeah, 30, 35 years ago or so. Not gonna reveal how old they are. <laughs> but like, yeah, but in terms of now, it's it's that in terms of uh, the idea of safety and protection and and that in resting mm-hmm. is something that's been really sort of not part of the conversation anymore. Um, back where I had my placement, we had people that got a, a, a hip replacement and, you know, they're able to walk and do stairs the very next day. And we promote, we promote and ask them to, to get moving, you know, probably at a post-op day one mm-hmm. after a massive surgery where wow. you're replacing a whole hip. So yeah, the tech, well, first off, the surgeons have got a lot better. The yep. techniques have gone a lot better. And so we, it also drove our profession to be better in that sense, mm-hmm. I think for the rehab as well, in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, uh, getting them going early to making sure that we don't introduce any further issues. And by maintaining that range, their function, muscle strength, as best we can right off the get-go, I would mm-hmm. say that's one of the areas in which it has really expanded. And in terms of where it's going in the future, I think personally, I think a lot of how, fit, how healthcare in general is going to work in the future is really revolving around you know, collaboration, teamwork, transparency, and operating um, in a way that is a bit more patient-centered. Yeah. through uh, uh, just through how they set up, like, let's say like a clinic. I think a lot, when I start seeing physio clinics, you know, using social media, not just as a tool to market, but a tool to really provide education, to tell people about what physio can do and how they can help and what the type of things they can try. Or I see other companies starting podcasts of their own. Yeah. You know, just to be able to give in-depth information, like I think that transparency and 
and sort of open source information uh, is something that's really going to continue uh, for the physio profession and collaboration between professionals. I think as you know, digitization and telehealth becomes bigger, and I, I, I really believe it will, I think there will also be a chance to really get uh, just immediate uh, like information from other healthcare professionals, from maybe like if you need an OT or, or a pharmacist or a doctor referral. I think that's something that you'll be able to do really quickly in the future. And I think like once technology really infiltrates healthcare and I start and I am seeing it do a whole lot more of that, I think it's gonna promote just a lot more teamwork and a lot more collaboration and be more of a team-based environment for physio. Yeah. Right. Wow. That that is so fascinating. The way um, we're about to um, capitalize on technology and you know better your profession in a way where I like the word you use, transparent. Right. You're you're working mm-hmm. virtually, but in a team, you you can grab more professionals, have another expert advice. You know, more more minds um, to come together yeah. and think and 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 do good for society. So uh, I'm so excited to see. Um, where your profession is going to go. Uh, yeah, we're nearing... It's a bit of a generational yeah. change too. Yeah. I'll, say, I'll make one point. It's a bit of a generational thing too. I think as a newer physios come out, yeah. uh, I was given a, uh, one of a physio came and gave a talk. He opened up a clinic. Uh, like he wanted to start up a clinic and he wanted to contact other clinic owners that he knew and just to get them some advice on how to start a clinic. But most clinic owners actually turned down his offer because they saw him as competition. And so oh, they, did, they wouldn't even have a coffee with him to huh. discuss about or just give some advice on how to open a clinic. And so now he's operating like a very popular clinic in Vancouver, and he holds clinic workshops to help other clinicians who want to start clinics, you know, and just bringing clinic owners together to share like tips and tricks yeah. because there's so much to learn just in terms of the business side too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And supporting other clinic owners and, and how to provide better patient care. Mm-hmm. And I think that type of teamwork is what leads more people to come to you and more people to want to work with you. And I think that's also defining the new age physios that are coming in. There's a lot more teamwork just even across within the profession, I would say. Yeah. You know, talking to you, Adrian, I think one attribute that um, you didn't really mention, um, but it's really clear in you is that uh, you exude a lot of good leadership skills. You know, uh, I think being a leader in your profession is a tough thing to do, um, but it's really it's really clear that you have a good understanding of um, the environment in 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 you know the business, and um, you're really forward thinking too. You you understand. Um, how things are changing and how to adapt and capitalize on the opportunities to, you know, better help your clients. So um, yeah, I really think that's an important uh, attribute to have. Um, we're nearing the tail end of, of our episode. Um, yeah. So I want to end off with like, what's one advice you give to a young student who's currently um, considering kinesiology or physiotherapy? We mentioned a lot of skills um, and, you know, obviously you said there's lots to study. Um, how can they better prepare themselves? How do they make sure they know that this is the right thing for them? You know, one thing that my mom always did with me was that she forced me to contact actual working professionals wow. and just get a chance to talk, to talk with, interview them mm. and shadow them, you know? And so, and, or just people that she kind of knew 
you know, just friends that she might have known that were in the profession. And as a young person, I just never wanted to bother with like older, you know, these were like my parents' friends. And so they're all in their 40s. And, you know, yeah. you're a 16, 17 year old kid and you just don't even know what questions to ask and what to do. But if you're someone that's willing to take that, learning about that profession and how it's actually being done is, is so important. Because if you find that passion, is through talking or shadowing someone. If you have the chance to shadow uh, this profession that you're looking for, or or someone in this field, it's gonna get you through the rough times of school. You know, it's gonna give you that motivation to keep going. Because sometimes when you're in school and you're training for certain professions, sometimes it can be a real drag. And I think knowing what is at the end of the line is really what also will drive you through yeah, and just true. keep you interested as well. Yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah, true. definitely talking to professionals email them and then have a short conversation with them 15 minutes might be all it takes yeah that's that's all. a lot of people meet their mentors um you know when they're young and because they reached out that's for sure um and i i totally agree with that you said you know people say oh you're, you're gonna miss school when you're out of it and you're actually working full-time but i feel like as a student like i was personally really excited to be out at the workforce because i feel like it can finally apply um not only what i've learned but really um, you know, show off my passion, right? You know, th this is what we chose to do and what we love to do. And uh, when you finally graduate, it's the time for you to shine. So it, it was definitely a really exciting time um, to, yeah. to, to go full time. Um, well, thank you so much, Adrian. If our listeners um, have any other questions and they want to reach out, how can they find you um, on social media? Yeah, so I think probably the best way would just be Instagram. Uh, I uh, just use my personal at Hey, it's a drain. That's A D R A I N, because uh, Adrian was taken. You can just message me there. Um, a lot. I'm gonna be starting up a uh, physio account as well. Okay. Uh, for myself, but that you know that's still in the works. So mm -hmm. once that's up, uh, hopefully I can maybe give an update. Maybe on yeah. my next podcast talk or something. I'll yeah, have but... an account and they'll be able to 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 go on my account. And hopefully I'll have some things that you can learn on there too. Oh yeah, totally. I'm sure. I'm sure we will. And uh, yeah, once once you have the, all of that set up, we can schedule another episode together, and then you can tell us more about um, you know what you're researching, what you're learning, and what we can expect on on your platform. Sounds good. Thanks, Calvin. Appreciate all right. it. Man. Thanks, Adrian, for coming onto the show. Thanks uh, to the listeners for tuning into another episode of the Novice Experience, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Novice Experience. Our theme song is Concrete Jungle by Audio Binger. You can find us or reach out on social media at The Novice Exp. That's The Novice EXP. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on all your podcast listening platforms. Talk to you next time.